0: Ladies and gentlemen, recording
1: from Los Angeles, California, welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You heard the main man himself, Bruce Buffer, the legendary UFC ring announcer. That shit never gets old, not one bit. It has been a while. Um, It's been almost eight months since my last episode. I've just been dealing with some stuff, college, school, you know, some personal issues and personal life stuff. But I'm back. I'm back with a bang. Um, This is episode number 410. And uh, before I get into it, I just want to thank Crimson IT for sponsoring today's podcast episode. If you or someone you know, whoever it may be, has a small or medium-sized company that needs managed IT services, go to crimsonit.com, tell them that you found them uh, from me, from the boy Sean, the seansports.podcast, and they'll take care of you. They'll give you a nice fat discount on whatever product or service you're looking for. And with that said, we're going to talk about some NFL and MOB today. I got my boy Shaggy with me, decided to come back with a bang and, um, yeah, uh, so to start off, let's talk about the Rams and Kyron Williams. I mean, it's been an interesting season for the Rams thus far. Um, what are your thoughts, uh, Shaggy, on just the Rams in general and the running back situation?
0: Honestly, all I got to say is it's our course, but uh, maybe a little bit biased, <laughs> Rams fan here. <laughs> I mean, we
1: both, we both are biased, but, you know.
0: I mean, listen, like, Sean McVay, he's – him and the coaching staff, they, like, always find a way to just set it right, set it straight, make – like, we just always find a way. But, yeah, I mean, me personally experiencing the game, what was it? Uh, day, Tuesday, day before yesterday on Sunday Night Football, I was at the game of SoFi and it really was not even a Rams game. man. that, yeah, that I mean, was
1: just – Yeah, that's an issue, man. That's an issue. Um I, I think winning the Super Bowl was huge, obviously. I mean, no shit, but, like, as far as the fans and stuff, it – Probably did get better, but still, I mean, LA is Raiders' town, like we talked about. So it's tough, man. It's tough. Yo, you there? Hello? Hello? Yes. Yo. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, so, so Kyron Kyren Williams, um, he kind of came out of nowhere with the whole Acre situation and him getting traded to the Vikings. and then uh, But now the injuries, so Kyron obviously missed the Steelers game and he's going to be out for at least the next three games. Um, but, you know, we got the running back carousel. We got Royce Freeman. We got, you know, that interesting rookie Zach Evans on the bench, obviously the return of Daryl Henderson Jr. And then uh, what was that guy's name from the Dolphins that we uh, that we signed? I forgot.
0: I'm not sure. I don't think he's going to be utilized as much. Hines,
1: but... His name's like Nashim Hines or something like that. Something like that. Um, but anyway, I mean, Ac- I mean, sorry, not Acres. Uh, fucking Kyren has really broken out this year, no doubt. 97 carries, 456 yards, six touchdowns, also 13 catches for 105 receiving yards and another touchdown uh, receiving. Uh, his best game was uh, no surprise against the Cardinals with 158 rushing yards and a touchdown on 20 carries. But he suffered the injury during that game. So, overall, the Rams are three and four. Up next, we got the Cowgirls on the road. That should be an easy dub. Dak Prescott's going to throw four interceptions.
0: Oh, man, it's not going to be easy. But uh, No, no, it's I, not going like yeah. to be easy. Moralizing
1: defeat by our own selves and our own team. Like, yeah, it's well, it's, it's got a win situation right there. We got rid of Maher. I mean, dude, costing us seven points on the kicking side that's unacceptable i mean that's grounds to get cut right away as as he was and um yeah
0: oh well i didn't watch it personally but like or i guess see it but i think the first field goal was tipped you know the steelers always find a way to somehow like block field goals but the yeah, other yeah, ones are just such a team. crappy
1: team. it's crazy like they They don't – they have such a mid-offense, but they're so scrappy on defense and special teams that it's crazy, man.
0: Find a way, man. They just find a way. But they they just got no one. I mean, there is some high hopes uh, at this point right now with – how do you call it? Uh, Dante Johnson back. And they really do have a chance because, I mean, he just came off the injury in the IR. So, like, they didn't really have him play, you know, on every snap like Pickens is. But Pickens is – Man, that guy, going places he's soon.
1: is legit for sure. He's
0: – that game really impressed me for sure. I mean, he's made some crazy catches, but I always kind of had my doubts with Pickens with his – usually his –
1: like, he doesn't really have the best separation, but – facts, yeah. facts. That
0: guy, that guy is he's legit, legit.
1: All right, we talked about the Rams. Now let's transition to our rivals, the 49ers. I mean, they were looking like a Super Bowl favorite. They were looking unbeatable. They started off 5-0. and and now they've lost two in a row, including a game to a Vikings team that with how they've been playing, especially without Jay Jettas. I mean, no one really gave them a chance to win that game, the Vikings, and they were kind of you know regarded as a mid ass team. Like they've been playing mid. Um, so the Niners losing that game, especially like getting CMC back in time and still losing. Like, that's I don't know. Like, if I if I was a Niners fan, I'd be a little concerned.
0: I mean, I really wouldn't put that on party though. Oh, like if if you ask me and Honestly, I'm also a little biased here because um, I just like, I like party as a guy and also as, how do, how do you call it? Like, he's just, he has the best story, you know, like Mr. Relevant, like moving this team with like being... Yo. Joe, uh,
1: hear me? Yeah, yeah, I
0: do. Oh, okay, so... Oh, no, I was just saying, uh, Purdy, man. Like, I just wouldn't pin it all on him. Yeah, of course. No, the,
1: a lot of people are hating on him, so I'm not, like, putting it all on him. But it's, like – Defense, bro. Defense just tanks. I mean, bro, yeah. there obviously- hasn't looked – Purdy has not looked good at all the last two games. And it's one of those things. Like, yeah, what, what Purdy did last year was very impressive, no doubt. Very, very impressive. And he was balling out. Uh, but these last two games, man. I mean, it's to me again. I'm not putting it all on pretty, but to me, it kind of looks like if he doesn't have a super team around him with everyone available, he all of a sudden he's not he's not even close to the same as as before. So
0: honestly, really, I I, I honestly disagree with that statement. I mean, yeah, uh, like he's just not the best, the greatest. You know, the elite quarterback. Everyone is. Or I'll was, say this: I would probably. still.
1: I would still take even the this the like not so good version of Purdy over pretty much any version of Jimmy G. So they definitely upgraded, no doubt. Yeah, but do you think they made the right decision of trading away Trey Lance? I, what do was, think I mean, Trey Lance was looking horrible, and he's not doing anything on the Cowboys right now. He's, you know, if Trey Lance was that good, he would be at least giving Dak Prescott some kind of competition. Obviously, that's not the case. Or and maybe the just the 49ers, The 49ers mm-hmm. felt like. The 49ers had no problem trading him away immediately. So, if they, if the 49ers – because they got rid of Jimmy G. He signed with um, the Raiders. So, if the 49ers felt like Trey Lance is a legit guy – like, they wouldn't all of a sudden – I forgot where he was drafted, but, like, what, top five, right, Trey Lance? Wasn't Um, he first overall pick? Yeah, I mean, he was definitely up there. So, if the 49ers felt like Trey Lance is legit, even, like, having Brock Purdy, they would keep him around as a backup. Like, why would they, you know, get rid of Trey Lance for no reason if they thought he was still – Legit, they moved on from him like he was a nobody, and it's looking like they made the right call. I mean, he's not doing anything right now.
0: He's just bench warming, honestly. That's it. Yeah, look. I mean,
1: again, like I said, if, if he was legit, like if he was that good as as people thought, there at least would be some conversation. Because it was the same when Dak Prescott came up, like it was Tony Romo's team in in Dallas, and that Tony, Romo went down. Like, yeah, Dak didn't get injured this year, but Romo went down. Dak took over, and they never looked back after that. He would play. Much better than Romo. So
0: well, well listen, Dak is still healthy, you know, knock on one, but (laughs) for sure. So but there would still at least
1: be talk of like, hey, what about this Trey Lance guy? There's been nothing. Like he he's been nowhere to be found. So I just don't think
0: everyone always needs a chance, man. He hasn't had a chance here to play for the Cowboys team. What if he just like shows up, you know? Obviously
1: there's that story with uh it's possible, but again,
0: throwing that pig on his first play, and then, you know, still they still gave him that chance.
1: No, uh, listen, don't get me wrong, it's possible, but I, I just feel like, why would the, like, the 49ers are a very well-run organization, obviously. Their right. coaching is elite, their front office is elite, their players are elite, I mean, bias aside. So, with all that said, why would they move on from Trey Lance without even a second thought? After they already lost Jimmy Garoppolo, like they put all their trust and faith into Brock Purdy, which you know th- might be the right decision. But to me, it's like, why did they move on from Trey Lance so easily without even like thinking twice about it? So to me, that shows that he's not the guy that they and others thought he he is or was.
0: They get what did they exactly get in return for him? Like, honestly, nothing like what? They did
1: not get much. Let me see. They traded him for a fourth round pick, so that that tells you too, dude. I mean, like, shit, man. That's like a fourth. Like, dude, let me let me just look up when he got drafted because, like, that's crazy.
0: Wasn't he drafted? Was it, two last year? Yeah, last
1: year, first round, right? Third overall, yeah, third overall in the twenty twenty one draft. And then he got traded a couple years later for a fourth round pick. Yep. Damn. So the top three, the top three in 2021 were all quarterbacks: Trevor Lawrence to the Jags, Zach Wilson to the Jets, and then Trey Lance to the Niners. Justin Fields went 11th to the Bears. Mac Jones went 15th to the Patriots. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty solid draft class actually. But anyway, let's talk about Debo too. I mean, so he's going to miss two games. He's on my fantasy bench, and uh, before. Before the last game, not, not the one against the Vikings, but the Niners' last game before that, I forgot who they played. I was thinking, do I bench Debo or not? But then they said that he's out with an injury. So I was like, oh, my decision has been made for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, honestly, I, I totally forgot who they played. It's Oh, wait, no, they played the Browns in the, in the rain with the yeah, – That's, so that's it's a game. honestly a valid loss, you know. That, but that is, but the, Vikings the Vikings' loss is not valid. The Vikings' loss is a bad loss for the Niners. Oh, yeah, 100%.
1: That's Browns loss is valid for sure. It is. I mean, arguably the number one defense, so.
0: Not arguably. Am I like in my opinion, I guess. Yeah, no, I would agree with you, but it's still
1: it's still arguable, you know. You can argue. Like if you if your name's Daniel Rapkin, you can argue anything. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about um the Patriots. I mean, dude, like I was I was such a firm believer that Tom Brady would be nothing without Bill Belichick and yeah, Brady had a bit of a super <laughs> team in Tampa Bay like when he won the Super Bowl and stuff. But dude, like Bill Belichick is not doing shit right now. Like <laughs> ever since Brady left, I mean, he's nothing. I don't, I don't know. Like I was, I was dead wrong. Like I was, I was a firm believer that the Patriots had a system, that Brady was a system quarterback, that he would still be good, but not you know the Tom Brady we know on a different team. And you know, like even past his prime when he won the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, yeah, he had a super team, but he was still that guy, hundred percent. I mean, he beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl, so. I'm um,
0: telling you, the goal—the goal in football is not just a commanding win. You just need to get
1: a win, and Tom is one
0: of those a guys. Per- a perfect example—a
1: perfect example of that is uh, Super Bowl Fifty-Three when the Patriots beat the Rams thirteen to three. I mean, yeah, that no, was
0: such a demoralizing game. Like we were just commanding the entire year. You know, we beat the—we beat Mahomes in the Monday Night Football. You know, Week Eleven. Catch- that was crazy. 54-51. That was Yeah, that's, that, that's my day favorite day. game of all time.
1: That's like, not no doubt about it, dude. No oh, yeah. yeah. What a game that was. And those without, jerseys. Without Gurley, like, that Bro, much. So many, so many iconic things about that game. I mean, Goff and Gurley. The game was played at the Coliseum. I mean, yes, yeah, SoFi, don't get me wrong, is an amazing stadium. But the Coliseum is historic in, in the city of Los Angeles. Oh, um, yeah. And I don't know if you—I mean, of course you remember—but those jerseys when the NFL used to do color rush, the Rams jerseys, like I'm not a big fan of that color in general, like the kind of mustard yellow, but it fucking fit the Rams very well. It, I, I really like. Talked
0: about that with uh, with my guys when we went to the game on Sunday, um, how I completely dislike our new logo, our new colors. I just hate it. I mean, that's just yeah. my opinion, but our classic, like. That, like, reverse gold slash, I guess, mustard, as you call it, or or with the maybe. Oh, my God. That just looks so mean. And just, I don't know. Those are nice.
1: Those those are really nice. Um, I mean, my opinion is I despise the main logo. I love the new logo with the, like, actual RAM on it. But, and I like the colors. I'm not going to say I love them. I definitely prefer the classics and, you know, the old scheme. But, um. Yeah, so let's talk about the Patriots and Belichick. I mean, it looks like the Patriots are sticking with Belichick. And, I mean, how can you blame them with the dynasty, you know, they've had with him at the helm? So, apparently, he agreed to a multi-year extension with the team this past offseason, which is a little surprising to me. I mean, Belichick is an old fuck, dude. Like, he's old, man. So, like, the fact that he's agreeing to a multi-year extension with, like, No future. I mean, what's their future? They have Mac Jones at quarterback. Like, yeah, they have Ramondre. Do they have any elite wide receivers? I don't think so, right?
0: Kendrick Bourne has been really proving himself worthy. He's been getting, he's been commanding like forty percent of the targets.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that Belichick really loves football like that much because. Oh yeah. Just. I mean, he's seventy-one years old. I mean, it's not like it's pretty old. It's not crazy, I guess, for a coach, but. Um. I don't know, man. I just like what. What else do you need to do? You won so many Super Bowls. Like, um, I just, I don't know. If like, what, you know, what else do you need to prove? What else do you need to achieve? Like, you've achieved everything that there is. So, I don't know. I um, mean, I
0: feel, I feel like they're desperately going to be drafting a quarterback in the next. <laughs> oh man.
1: I don't know. I mean, dude, <laughs> wasn't wasn't is Mike is Jones? Is guy? I don't know yeah. about that. Was, wasn't Mac Jones a pro bowler, though, like last season or two seasons ago? Yeah, but he kind of got like fed that. I don't he definitely know he got worse, though. The yeah, there's no doubt about that. He got worse 100%. Same with Same. Daniel Jones, too. I don't know what's up with him, but like he, he's looking like he pulled off the heist of the century.
0: Man, he needs to, like, someone needs to rip his contract bro, because that he's that been. Got absolutely bro, bro, he, he got paid,
1: bro. He got paid he and, got paid. what Brady should be getting paid, you know? And like listen, like, I was a, I was always sticking up for Daniel Jones. I remember my cousin in New York who's a diehard Giants fan. When they drafted Daniel Jones, he was fucking pissed. I was like, bro, like, give it a chance. Like, he can be good, this and that. And then, you know, the Giants, I was like, I was always defending him. And then last year, I felt like, I was like, finally, like, he's showing people, you know, how good he can be, and, you know, making the playoffs and balling out, you know, running the ball all, all over the place um and so this year so far i'm like dude what the fuck happened like
0: <laughs> i mean granted their o-line has been com- just decimated with injuries but that really shouldn't put an ex- give him any bit of an excuse for losing and having a 60 point to know, look, or at, a- look at tyra taylor
1: like you know he's he's been a backup for several years he comes in he gets darren waller involved quite a bit you know, which was great for me fantasy wise and
0: the backup he's fantastic I mean, he's already,
1: tyra taylor has already thrown more – either more – I mean, he's throwing two passing touchdowns. I don't know if Daniel Jones has thrown one or two, but at the very yeah, least, he's he matched. Them. So. Yo.
0: Sorry, he just keeps going out. But, no, you heard what I cool. said about the Cardinals, how he came back with those – I guess the rushing touchdown, like a couple uh, passing touchdowns you know, solidify that huge comeback he had this season early. Second week, I think, right? Or not week three, was it?
1: Yeah. I mean, going going back to the Patriots, though, I mean, they're one in five. They're almost certainly going to miss the playoffs for the third time in four seasons since Brady left, um, which is obviously horrible for, for a franchise like the Patriots. And I think you're 100% correct. I think. They're going to be targeting a quarterback in the draft. I mean, obviously, everyone and their mother wants a piece of Caleb Williams from USC. um, But then it doesn't end with him. I mean, you have Drake May from North Carolina, who's unbelievable. I don't know if you've seen him. Um, Outstanding. Personally, my favorite uh, college quarterback, who's been making me hella bank on prize picks and last season, too. Bo (laughs) Nix, dude. Bo fucking Nix. University of Oregon. I mean, huge. all the talk is about Caleb Williams and Drake May. But don't be surprised. I mean, put this on record. It will be on record since we're recording this episode but I think Bo Nix will 100% be by far the best NFL quarterback in this class, better than Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams is going to be mid. I don't think he's going to be a huge bust, but he's not going to live up to the expectations. I, I really there believe that. already talks about him being like – Yeah, he, just, he, threw, like,
0: all he just threw like
1: three interceptions, I think, in his last uh, start. Or,
0: yeah, yeah. It
1: was so, nice yeah, so I don't know because like, I remember like when when Tua took over Loa was in college everyone was like tank for Tua tank for Tua it was like the same just and same with Trevor Lawrence and all that and those guys obviously lived up to the hype and they're balling out in the NFL Caleb Williams I don't think he's that guy to be honest
0: I mean what was that story we talked about the other day with uh the nine mistakes before me quote Yep,
1: a hundred percent Josh Rosen yeah a great example a hundred percent just gets passed around like <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. and and look, I mean, that's actually an amazing analogy that you just made, uh, because that just made me remember that, again, I don't know if this is like 100% confirmed, but there was a report that Caleb Williams, like this is fucking nuts, but apparently Caleb Williams was telling NFL teams that whoever drafts him, he wants a, a, a fucking piece of ownership of the franchise.
0: Wants to buy a piece of the franchise, kind of like my homes wants to buy. I, I, do. I don't even know
1: if it's buy. I think he just wants to be given, like, whatever portion of the franchise ownership, which is absolutely insane, bro. That's absolutely insane. Here's the thing that I've
0: learned: when you're too greedy, you just naturally get screwed. You just, it's just kind of like in the book, you know? You 100%. talk too much, you will get screwed. You gotta be stay humble.
1: Stay humble. It's, like, it's, it's not just that. Yeah, hundred percent. It's less about the greediness but it's more about the arrogance it's the same as like you said when Josh Rosen said nine mistakes ahead of me I mean you're coming out of college like yeah you're hyped up this is that number one overall pick you know a lock to be the number one pick but to ask teams for ownership I mean that's crazy like it would be reasonable if someone like Tom Brady after 20 years with the Patriots and winning them however many Super Bowls oh was it five five or six 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 fucking Super Bowls then you'd be like yo you give me some ownership like yeah it's valid but you're you're a fucking nobody dude like come on you know <laughs> you're not even. I mean, you're valid in college, but you're you're not like the greatest college
0: quarterback of all time. You know, you can't really want all this, you know, fame and money just for playing well in college. NFL in yeah. college
1: is a pretty different game. Hundred percent. All right, let's transition to some baseball. I mean, football is great. We'll have more football a little later, but let's let's transition to some baseball. All I gotta say is yeah. Adolis Garcia. Oh, we'll God. get to that. We'll get to that. Let's, oh my let's start goodness. off. With... Let's start off with something else. We'll get to Adolis, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Japanese starting pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Apparently, he covets the opportunity to play in a large market. He's projected to be one of the best pitchers in MLB free agency this offseason, according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today on October 15th. Um, uh, The Dodgers are high on his wish list, while the Yankees and Mets are showing early interest. The Athletic also reported that the Giants, president of baseball operations Farhan Zaidi, has personally scouted the 25-year-old in Japan as well. Uh, It was detailed why the Mets might be in pole position before the Yamamoto sweepstakes get underway. The obvious, uh, check the market size box, and team owner Stephen Cohen has not shied away from spending, to say the least. So even if the organization is looking more for the future rather than right now by not going after guys like Otani and trading Verlander and Scherzer at the deadline, Yamamoto is still assigning for the present and future wherever he lands. Um the Mets may actually hit another important benchmark as well. It was noted that Yamamoto wants to go where he believes he can be most successful and adjust the fastest. And the Mets can point right to no other than Kodai Senga, who had an unbelievable rookie season going 12-7 and with a 2.98 ERA and earned an all-star selection as a rookie, which is extremely impressive. Um, Having a fellow Japanese player on the squad, especially a pitcher, might be a huge factor for Yamamoto, and I'm sure the Mets will try to take advantage of that. Of course, it's far too early to say any one franchise has, has a decided edge to sign Yamamoto when he's bound to have multiple committed suitors. Uh, Alex Pavlovich of NBC Sports Bay Area reported on October 5th that one MLB executive believes he could sign for more more than $200 million. So this guy is coveted. Um, he's going to be a beast. But wanting to play in a big market isn't that disqualifying either. That label has most often applied to the New York and L.A. teams. But you could extend it to a number of other cities like Chicago, the Phillies with their success, Dallas, fucked Astros, not them, you know, the Rangers. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so what do you think, dude? I mean, this guy, um, at this point, I have no reason to doubt how good he is. I mean, when teams are coveting Japanese players, especially pitchers like this, I mean, we've seen it with Otani. We've seen it with... Masahiro Tanaka we've seen it with Kodai Senga like there's it's countless guys at this point um, I mean I know we're talking about Japanese
0: baseball and, and this phenom honestly kind of resembles a little bit of a, Otani I know he definitely looked up to him for sure and playing in high school college whatever but um how do you call that what who's that guy that got just picked up by the
1: Dodgers from the KBO? that guy's yeah, yeah great example I mean I don't know if They'll have a, you know, a wise man once told me that amongst Asian people first, they kind of, they, um, their friends. Like, let's say there's Japanese people, they stick with Japanese. Then it's like, you know, other Asians then. So they have relationships, like who they would gravitate to in social settings and stuff like that. So I do wonder if like, uh, Yamamoto would be like, oh, well, there's a Korean pitcher on the Dodgers. Like that's better than you no know, Asian, you know, that's very possible.
0: Of course, of course. Very but... possible. I'm talking about phenoms, that guy's amazing. So he could
1: definitely be. Uh, Yo, his team. Our you know. He won. Uh, he won a gold gold medal in like the Asia Games, whatever it's called, with Korea. So he avoided um military service; he's exempt from it. So he'll be in our pitching lab. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. All right, let's let's transition back to some football for a little bit. Uh, you asked me about hard knocks. Let's talk about it. So the NFL announced on Monday that the Miami Dolphins would will appear on the in-season edition of Hard Knocks during this season. NFL Films and HBO added an in-season version of Hard Knocks back in 2021, debuting with the Indianapolis Colts. The Arizona Cardinals were featured in last season's version. Neither team fared well in front of HBO's cameras, at least in terms of on-field results. The Colts appeared to be a feel-good story for the Hard Knocks cameras, recovering from a 1-4 start and looking playoff-bound after entering the final two weeks with a 9-6 and six record. But they lost in Week 17 on a last-second field goal to the Raiders, and a week later fell to the Jaguars team that finished 3-14 on the season as Carson Wentz was sacked six times and turned the ball over twice. That cost the Colts a playoff berth, a result that then-head coach Frank Reich described as a scar. It was worse for the Cardinals last season. Arizona went into the 2022 season with high hopes after reaching the playoffs and getting fucked by the Rams in 2021. <laughs> but lost seven straight games to end the season, and saw Kyler Murray's season end in December with a torn ACL, an injury that he still has not returned from this season. The team finished four and thirteen. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury was fired shortly after. He then booked a one uh, one way ticket to Thailand after the season ended, and General Manager Steve Keim resigned to focus on his health. So the team was so bad that the guy, the GM, had to focus on his health. I mean, holy shit, Cardinals. The, the Dolphins figure to be a bit more of a positive story, to say the least. The team is currently 5-2 and two, and is one of the most explosive offenses in recent memory. I mean, what an offense they have, especially with all those fast players. I mean, they might as well be an Olympic traffic, track and field team, for Christ's sake. They um, are, honestly, at this point. Tyreek with his 10-1, 100-meter. Dude, head coach Mike McDaniel is probably the funniest guy in the NFL. I mean, definitely a quirky personality, to say the least. Um He's <laughs> got a great story know, too. A great story, hundred percent. You know, he let he let his mom, you know, bang a guy, and then he became a coach. I mean, so very inspirational story, no doubt. I mean,
0: He also recovered alcoholism.
1: So <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, I know. He's yeah, he recovered from alcoholism. So jokes aside, very impressive on that uh front. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Dolphins are poised to be legitimate Super Bowl contenders, no doubt about it. Even after Sunday's loss uh, in primetime to the Eagles, thirty-one to seventeen. I mean, the Eagles are obviously also. A Super Bowl contender, and but they're in the NFC, so you know the Dolphins wouldn't have to worry about facing them until the Super Bowl. So, um, as the team gets back, playmakers like rookie running back Davon Ashan and star cornerback Jalen Ramsey, dude, they haven't had Jalen Ramsey. Do you realize that? Holy shit, that's crazy. Just realized. I, I, I did not realize.
0: I just realized. Time, that.
1: Man, they put in Jalen Ramsey in that shit. Bro, <laughs> he hasn't played. That's crazy. When he gets back, that is huge for them. That is huge. It is- massive they're probably more dangerous
0: become elite with that protection yeah.
1: right in the back yeah so the dolphins are uh, definitely a fun pick as the in-season entry for hard knocks following their divisional rival new york jets who nfl films and hbo documented over the summer after an off-season trade for aaron rodgers
0: i mean listen he could possibly make a comeback you know,
1: late, very late in season, 100%, 100%. Or if they make the playoffs, you know, he's just he's walking, he's even coaching Zach Wilson. No, bro, that's crazy throwing a football. I mean, that would be insane. If there's anyone that could do it, it's it's the freak himself, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Mister Anti Vaccine, my guy, <laughs> my guy right there. <laughs> no, oh. dude, I, dude, I don't know if you saw, but for some reason, Aaron Rodgers called out Travis Kelsey. I mean, not for some reason, he called out Travis Kelsey and he called him Mister Pfizer. Cause Kelsey has been posting, like posting like Pfizer posts, like to get the vaccine. And of course he turned comments off on Instagram. So Rogers called him out and he like, he called him Mr. Pfizer. And so then Kelsey had a, Kelsey had a good comeback though. He was like, Oh, you like you're, you play for like the fucking jets are owned by the Johnson and Johnson owners. So that, <laughs> that was a good comeback. Like, he called him
0: a smart Johnson, Johnson.
1: But then Rogers was like, okay, I'll take, I'll take uh, RFK junior. That's, um, the, uh, the nephew of JFK, who's actually running for president as an independent. Shout out to him. I fuck with him. Um, so, Roger said, I'll take RFK Jr. Uh, and debate you. <laughs> I'll debate you with fucking Fauci. So, that, so that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, but anyway, all of that BS aside. Um, Kelsey, let's what talk is- about, Let's talk about some more football. Huge trade. We just talked about the Eagles. They're gearing up for another potential playoff run by addressing a major position of need. The team has reportedly acquired safety Kevin Biard from the Tennessee Titans for fifth and sixth in the 2024 NFL Draft. And safety <laughs> Terrell Edmonds goes to Tennessee as well. Um, and guess what? AJ Brown used to be, uh, sorry, Biard used to be teammates with AJ Brown with the Titans, obviously. Um, and his new teammate, offensive tackle Lane Johnson, gave Eagles GM and executive vice president Howie Roseman his flowers for bringing the star safety to Philadelphia. I mean, Eagles players and fans are obviously excited. Biard is nicknamed the Mayor or the Mayor of Murfreesboro, dating back to his time at Middle Tennessee Middle Tennessee State University. He's an instant upgrade for the Eagles' secondary, no doubt. The 30 year old is a two time Pro Bowler and two time first team All Pro selection, registering 47 tackles and a fumble recovery this season. Between the 2017 through 2022 seasons, he posted at least four interceptions five times, including a league leading eight picks. Eight picks in 2017. Amazing. But with the Titans only two and four on the season and clearly in the process of transitioning to a younger roster, the yard made absolute sense for them. And the Eagles were obviously a logical suitor as they needed a cornerback. While well, the Eagles have a solid starting cornerbacks in Darius Slade Jr. and James Bradbury. Injuries to players like slot corner Avante Maddox and safety Reed Blankenship, among others, left the secondary somewhat in disarray. The Eagles also lost both starting safeties from last season, C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Marcus Epps in free agency. Gardner-Johnson, in particular, was excellent for them last season, notching six interceptions in 12 games. The result of those injuries and departures has been a pass defense that has given up 12 passing touchdowns, tied for 28th in the NFL, and only, and only has posted three interceptions. The front seven has been spectacular, holding opponents to 62.9 rushing yards per game, which is the best in the NFL, while posting 24 sacks, which is third in the NFL. But the secondary has been an ongoing concern, and they definitely address that major position of need uh, with this trade. Um, I mean they're 6 and 1 even with the horrible pass defense and now they just add a fucking all-pro cornerback for a 5th and 6th round pick. I mean, come on Titans, what are you doing here? I mean, he's a little bit old so I understand the logic, but um I also understand why they,
0: you know, the Eagles just scored another and just they freaking scored another one, man. Like they just they killed, it's ridiculous. The,
1: draft. It's ridiculous. They killed the
0: draft and now they killed fleece
1: trades like this. Whew. Yeah, bro. It, like, it's fucking ridiculous. But so that no, that's why I said Titans. What are you doing? Not from the perspective of the Titans and their needs. I mean, for them, it's you know smart. You get rid of an aging player and you get draft picks when you, you're when you're going nowhere this year. But it's like you're, making, need- yeah. you're making the Eagles way better. Like, and I don't know. I guess the Titans don't care about that. They only care about their needs, rightfully
0: so. Well, no, it's short term. They're making it
1: – they're they're trading this for the long
0: term, kind of like a dynasty trade. It's it's definitely a W trade for them, for both sides, of course, for Eagles for this season and for uh, the Titans in, in the future. I totally understand the
1: trade. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about B. John Robinson. <laughs> That's.
0: A good guy. I don't yeah. care what anyone says. That guy is talented as shit, man. Like he's just getting wasted, pissed
1: away, like the Falcons do with everyone else. <laughs> so fantasy football players are not the only ones wondering why the Atlanta Falcons didn't make it known before Sunday's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that Bijan Robinson wasn't feeling well. Uh, Adam Schefter of ESPN reported the NFL is questioning the Falcons regarding why they didn't report Robinson's status and when they were made aware of the situation. The rookie running back had only one carry for three yards, and head coach Arthur Smith told Fox he wasn't feeling well when asked about his usage. ESPN noted Robinson said he was, quote, feeling completely out of it and started, quote, feeling weird and having headaches on Saturday night. He also said he wasn't tested for a concussion or given a COVID test. Yet ESPN also reported that the Falcons believed there was never any doubt the Texas product would play, which is why they didn't add his name to the injury report. Teams in the past have been fined injury report who would either be unavailable or play less than usual because of an ailment or injury atlanta instead turned to tyler algier and corderel patterson in the backfield and the two combined for 31 carries in the 16-13 win the falcons were missing some of robinson's explosiveness especially when algier averaged only 2.8 yards per attempt during his 21 carries to their credit they did escape with a road victory in large part because of a strong performance from their defense they're not four and three on the season and somehow in first place in the abysmal nfc south Robinson obviously is a huge part of um, the Falcons' chances for a playoff appearance. I mean, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but if Dude, they will, they, they need definitely Robinson a- to go crazy. Um,
0: I think they have a chance, and I think that this week was just an abysmal game that both teams just wanted to lose. Man, with freaking <laughs> fucking Baker Mayfield's three interceptions and or um and Ritter's like. Didn't he, like, fumble, like, twice? It was just a pathetic game, and they just, like, squeezed in a W even without Bijan. And, uh, yeah, they just – I guess the
1: Tampa yeah, I mean, they just wanted to lose more. Yeah, that's huge for the Falcons that they were able to still win that game without Bijan. I mean, massive for them. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Robinson is unbelievably talented. He can make plays both as a runner and a pass catcher. And he tallied more than a hundred yards on the ground in two of his first four career games, so extremely impressive. I mean, you could say he's the running back version of uh, Puka Nakua. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, but Puka Nakua was underrated. Sean was hyped up, so
0: that's you can't really relate to that. He's kind of like a Todd Gurley, just hasn't been given the chance to Sean like that.
1: That's facts, bro. That's facts. Um, okay, let's let's transition to some baseball for a little bit. We've you know we talked plenty of football. The World Series is. Pretty much right upon us. Uh, We're not going to talk about the Dodgers. We've talked about them enough. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The Philadelphia Phillies have been unstoppable at home throughout the 2023 playoffs until the World Series was one win away, despite going 6-0 with an average of six and a half runs per game. That's crazy. In the first six postseason games at Citizens Bank Park this year, the Phillies never bounced back from an early deficit on the way to a lackluster 5-1 loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks in Monday's Game 6 of the NLCS. Mm -hmm. That means Philadelphia will have to win Tuesday's decisive Game 7, also at home, if they're going to reach the World Series for a second straight season. The disappointing showing from a typically dominant offense with, with stars such as Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber was the biggest storyline from the Phillies' perspective, and there was plenty of reaction from fans on social media, on the internet. Uh, Philadelphia's offense wasn't dialed in, but Arizona definitely was against starter Aaron Nola, who had a rare bad game, bad start in the playoffs. Back-to-back home runs from Tommy Pham and Lourdes Goriel Jr., as well as an RBI double from, from Evan Longoria. gave the D-backs a 3-0 lead in the second inning. Even when the home team answered back with a run on an RBI single from Brandon Marsh, Arizona was ready with a response. Ketel Marte specifically was ready as his RBI triple in the fifth chased Nola out of the game before his RBI single in the seventh, provided some important insurance. I mean, Ketel Marte has been the best player for the Diamondbacks in the playoffs. Corbin Carroll, what he did against the Dodgers in the NLDS was extremely impressive, no doubt. But Ketel Marte is hitting, like, 430 in the NLCS.
0: Unbelievable.
1: As I just said, an RBI triple and then an RBI single. Um, he is playing out of his mind right now. And Corbin Carroll is nowhere to be found in this NLCS. Nowhere to be found. So Ketel Marte is carrying. With that, so going back to yesterday's game, that was enough for the Arizona pitching staff, as starter Merrill Kelly allowed only one run in, and three hits while striking out eight over five innings. The bullpen combination of Ryan Thompson, Andrew Salfrank, Kevin Ginkal, and Paul Sewald did the work from there, moving the Diamondbacks one win away from their first World Series appearance since 2001, where, of course, they famously walked it off against Mariano Rivera and the New York Yankees in Game 7. Oh, I mean,
0: that was amazing. Unbelievable, <laughs>
1: unbelievable. Um so yeah, I mean Philadelphia's offense has consistently delivered with clutch hits, especially at home throughout the playoffs. But that was missing yesterday. We'll see if that will change today. Whew, I mean, I'm excited. Game seven of the NLCS. Finally, the Astros are out, so I can watch all these games with no stress at all. Just enjoy the games. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I totally agree with you. But I, like you said, not
0: stress. Like we haven't even stressed this enough, even though we're like freaking meat riding Cattell right now. But like, listen, the 15 game. <laughs> history is the longest or tie for the
1: longest in postseason history like it's just
0: what he's doing is historic
1: man it's like, historic bro it's unbelievable and it's kind of even still it's kind of under the radar I mean like you
0: know, no one's talking about it no one really is mentioning it they they are underdogs so of course no one really is going to mention that but it is something to see them yeah I mean
1: you're right but I'll tell you this if it was Corbin Carroll doing this people would be talking about it I mean Ketel is just not not a flashy kind of player, you know. He's just...
0: also, also, Corbin Carroll has been putting on
1: heat the entire season. Obviously, the yeah, end of the that's true. Cattell was good, but you know, not not anything crazy during the season. Yeah. I mean, it
0: was great in June, July, and then they started to cool off completely. They fell off a cliff. You know, I mean, remember, they were leading the NL West for a considerable amount of time, bro. Like, what was it, like an eight, 10 game lead? And then they just blew it after the All-Star break. You know, the Dodgers just exploded and then pissed it away in the playoffs, of course, with the 1-for-21 at-bats from Mookie Freeman.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. Who do you got tonight? You got the D-backs or the Phillies? It's – um, wait, who's – oh, yeah. So it's Brandon Paft and Ranger Suarez. Who Honestly
0: got... – I yeah. gotta go with the true underdog story. I know it's gonna Wow, be- he's going with the DVAX.
1: Right. Listen, but- mean, you gotta stick with I your guns. You gotta stick with that. your guns because you did make that insane fucking prediction somehow the DVAX would win the World Series. I mean, that's just
0: I, unbelievable,
1: I had- bro. Threw it up in the air. Someone like I was in a
0: conversation with my friends and they were just like who's one one team that you just see could possibly, you know improve upon the, their last season with their prospect, you know, with Corbin Carroll coming in. I was like, man, they got the speed coming in. I, I see them sneaking in the playoffs, which they did uh, towards the end, but... <laughs> yeah, um, and, and it's yeah, not just that.
1: Their thin- pitching, pitching has been a lead. I mean, Zach Gallen was obviously the front-runner uh, for Cy Young for most of the season, then he fell off at the end, and he's been, not, he's been decent enough for the D-backs in the playoffs, but Merrill Kelly has really been great. And not just that. I mean, today's game seven started. Brandon Paft. He, I mean, dude. First of all, he cooked the Dodgers. He cooked against the Phillies, throwing nine Ks last start. Oh, I have no doubt he can put But cook. Wait, wait. That
0: guy, yeah. Check
1: this stat. Check this stat out. I mean, I sent you the the, the graphic with Ranger Suarez and with Koufax and how good he's been in the playoffs. But get this: Brandon Paft is the first pitcher in, in MLB history to have to allow zero runs and zero walks in back-to-back postseason starts.
0: Amazing. That is extremely impressive. That is
1: especially the fact that he's a rookie. I mean, that is nuts.
0: Oh, I didn't even know he was a
1: rookie, actually. Yeah, he's a rookie, bro. He's a rookie. Fuck, man. No, he was mid. Like, he, you know, he was just mid in the season. Like, he was, you know, like he wasn't bad, but he was mid. He was a rookie. Like, like in my
0: opinion, he he wasn't mid. Like, he had, like, he had potential to become someone good for sure. I mean, he didn't come out guns blazing like Bobby Miller, of course, but, um, yeah, no, nah, he's he's just been flying on the radar. He's been up and down all season, but this is the time to shine. This is the time to not let your team down. It's the time to put up the game that you want to put up. This is the game of his life. You know, this is for the World Series. 100%. Bro. Said come
1: on. Well said. Couldn't have said it better. All right. With that, So you're going with the DVX. I'm going to go with the Phillies. You know, okay. just keep, you know, have it fun. I mean, I would go with the Phillies. You know, gun to my head, I would say Phillies. They're at home. Um, ranger Suarez is is more experienced than Path. I mean, again, we just said we just talked about how good uh, Path has been, but who knows? Maybe the moment will be too big for him tonight. Game seven, like you said, World Series on the line. So, especially playing at uh and in in Philly, dude. I mean, that's, Philly, that's, that's, probably loudest, or... that's probably the loudest, loudest and most toxic you know environment and fan base there is in in it all is, sports. Uh... In all sports, really. You know, baseball is obviously, but in all sports, I mean, Eagles and Sixers fans are fucking nuts. So. It's up there with, like, the Kansas City Chiefs
0: and Arrowhead, you know. like no, oh, for shit. sure. And that's a football stadium,
1: so, yeah. Um, okay, with that said, let's trans- transition to the American League. The Texas Rangers have booked their ticket to the World Series. Two seasons, only two seasons removed from losing over 100 games and winning only 68 games, I believe it was, last season. They won They went over 100 this year. I don't remember, but they make, they make a fucking World Series appearance. Bruce Bochi, his first season with the team. I mean, what a manager he is. Unbelievable. Uh, now, that, now that he's not on the Giants anymore, I can give him props. I mean, unbelievable. He's now 6-0 and in winner-take-all games in the playoffs. That is not a coincidence. On the flip side, you have Dusty Baker, who is now 0-4 in Game 7. So those are not coincidences. Uh, where you have one manager that's 6-0 and in winner-take-all games and the other that's now 0-4 in Game 7s Not a coincidence at all. Matter of fact, I will go so far as to say that I believe the Houston Astros won the World Series last year in spite of Dusty Baker. I think if they had a more competent manager, they would have won it much easier than they did against the Phillies. Uh, I think they won in spite of Dusty Baker. Um, so, yeah, so, but let's talk about Adoles Garcia. I mean, I don't even know what to say, man. I don't even know what to say. I'll, send
0: I'll send He he's, <laughs>
1: he, he's the Kyle Schwarber of, you know, the Rangers. He just rises up. He's the, the Mr. October of the AL, you know, like, well said. I mean, I think, I, I don't know about you and he's actually, uh, Cuban as well and friends with Randy Arozarena. but what he's doing really reminds me of 2020 Randy Rosarena. I mean, it is very, very similar. Oh
0: yeah, Randy Rosarena's uh what he hit like eight home runs in, in the postseason in one season with the with the record. Wasn't it recently broken? I'm not sure, but that was you know what in his in his war with Seager at the time. I know that wasn't twenty twenty, yeah, but that that run with uh or against Seager was unbelievable to watch as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. hundred percent. Well was it in twenty twenty? I'm sorry, I don't know exactly. Yeah I think it was. So um so Adolis Garcia I mean he he broke the record yesterday for the most RBIs in a single playoff series with 15. I mean wow. unbelievable.
0: 15 unbelievable. RBIs.
1: Jokes on me for fading is half an RBI on Price picks yesterday. Absolutely buffoon I am. You're um, not the only I'm sorry you're not the only one. Me yeah, so too. That he he gets 5 RBIs he goes I think 4 for 5 it was with two homers. 5 RBIs absolutely ridiculous. Oh. Um, and I don't know if you remember but he got hit by a pitch after he, he hit a home run a couple of games ago. Yep. And the bench is cleared, and then Brian Abreu got suspended for two games. The Astros reliever, who is gonna he's gonna serve that suspension to start next season, um, which I think is fair. I you know I, I don't I don't think it's fair to suspend someone like for a potential World Series game or whatever. Of course. Um, but yeah, and so, <laughs> dude, since that hit by pitch and that whole incident, Adolis took that shit personally, and he. Oh, yeah. He flexed on the Astros yesterday and the game before and the whole series. But, man, yesterday especially in game seven to do what he did after that whole incident in Houston. I mean, man, that is –
0: The Rangers – as well as Adolis Garcia continues to flex on the Astros in Minute Maid Park.
1: The crazy thing is, is that Rangers fans are in disbelief because historically the Astros have always owned the Rangers, and they, they did this season as well. In the regular season, they owned the Rangers through and through. Um, but in the playoffs, I mean, look, the, the, the road team, the away team, won every game of the, of the seven-game series. Absolutely <laughs> insane. It's the, well, the same thing how the how the Dodgers
0: absolutely own the Diamondbacks. But, of course, yeah. we have to fall apart yeah. in the playoffs when it matters. It's the same thing well on the
1: other but, side. But how crazy was it that the Rangers won the first two games in Houston? Then they lost three in a row at home. They lost three in a row at home. And then they come back and win game six and seven and in Houston. I mean, wow. You just can't make it up. But that is crazy. I'll man. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what? The last time that happened where the road team won all seven games of a series, was the 2019 World Series between the Astros and Nationals. And get this, the starter for Game 7 in both of those series, Max Scherzer, baby. <laughs> Max Scherzer. Um, yeah. yeah, man, I mean, so what a game. Um, so so here are the other uh, players. So Adoles Garcia with 15 RBIs in this year's ALCS. Nelson Cruz had 13 RBIs in the 2011 ALCS, also for the Rangers against the Tigers. Bobby Richardson had 12 RBIs for the Yankees in the 1960 World Series against the Pirates, and John Valentin had 12 RBIs in the 1999 ALDS for the Red Sox against the Cleveland Indians. Oof. So Ad- Adolis Garcia has cemented himself in the history books, and he will never have to buy another beer or drink for himself in the state of Texas, other than of course the city of Houston. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I mean, so man, what a what a game, what a team! This off the record without without Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom. I mean, imagine if they had DeGrom, too, on top of this this whole thing. Um, DeGrominator, Terminator. DeGrominator, that would be unbelievable uh, if they had him. Before we uh, get to the next story first, so now I want to look at the odds for the NLCS MVP, if they're available, as well as the World Series MVP. Just talk about that. And then after that, we'll talk about uh, Dusty Baker and him most likely retiring in his career. But let me ask you, I mean, we're, already, we're already at almost 48 minutes of uh, the show, which don't get me wrong, is great. I mean, some podcasts are 20 minutes, some are four hours. So there is no rule or anything like that. But let me just ask you, after we talk about the um, NLCS and World Series MVP odds and Dusty Baker, do you want to look at NFL standings and the landscape of the NFL or do you want to call it? One more I'm I'm all for okay. Okay, I just wanted to you know I just wanted to see where you're at, how you're feeling. I'm pretty sure this is your first time on a podcast, right? So I just wanted to see how you're doing. That's yeah, cool, it's basic conversation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so let me see more MLB. So, first of all, the Phillies are minus 170 today against the D Backs, and I'm oh, sure 70. Yeah,
0: 75.
1: <laughs> yeah, and seventy percent, seventy percent of the money is on the Phillies. Of course, that's <laughs> um,
0: a lot less than I thought.
1: Really? Yeah. yeah it, something it interesting. Like so, Fanduel, five. Fanduel already has odds for a potential game one of the World Series. They have odds for for both for the Dvax and for the Phillies. Hmm. So that I've never seen that before um, on uh, on a sports book for any sport.
0: Like they're going um,
1: to throw you off a little bit. Yeah, it's just weird because there's no, like, obviously no starting pitchers announced there. So, uh, but yeah, so let's see if I can see the uh, player awards. So, NLCS MVP, who do you think is the favorite?
0: In, yes. um, you said in the NLCS MVP? Yeah. It's got to be Cattell or not. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's got to be Cattell.
1: It's not Cattell.
0: Really? But tell yep. is what? Ketel's got to be like top three for sure. Right? Ketel's second.
1: Mean? Yeah, Ketel's second.
0: Well, it's it's going to be Kyle Schwarber then.
1: It is, yeah. Of course, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, Schwarber's minus 110, and then Ketel is plus 190. Makes sense. Makes complete sense. And then what? It's going to be Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Trey nope, Trey nope. Carroll. No, no, no. Zach Wheeler at plus 1,000. Then oh, well, right, pa- right, right, Then Brendan Paft at plus 1,900. Then, only then, you got Bryce Harper at plus 2,100. Then you got Alec Thomas, Gabriel Moreno, Lourdes Gorial, Jr., Merrill Kelly, J.T. Romuto, Tommy Pham, Geraldo Perdomo. All of those guys before Trey Turner and Corbin Carroll. Wow, interesting. I guess. I guess it's not
0: so much about Yo, the amount. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, guess.
0: Well, I guess you, it's you have to remember. You the, have to
1: remember it pertains specifically to the NLCS.
0: No, I, I'm aware, but I, I'm saying that I guess it doesn't matter the. The quantity of stats you put up, it matters. The hit at – sorry. <coughs> the hit at needed, like, just clutch hits, you know? Like, you, yeah, you sure. solidify a home run. There you go. There's your MVP right there. Like, without that hit, you would not even make the World Series kind no of doubt, No
1: doubt about it. Um, but I'm surprised that Trey Turner is plus 10,000. I mean, I thought he's been good in the NLCS. He's, they, they've they all been great. But yeah. who's
0: been pissed?
1: But who's really helped the team move forward? Well, obviously Schwarber and Wheeler and then and Harper. Let Harper Here we go then last round and um, but dude, Corbin Carroll is plus fifteen thousand, so I, I guess he would need to go like five for five today with a couple of homers, and then he'll win.
0: <laughs> if the well, I mean, I mean, like I said, it doesn't it doesn't matter how the quantity of stats. It matters if he hits a a home run to walk it off, you know. But obviously, they're not gonna walk it off because it's in Philly, but. Yeah, I mean,
1: listen, if if Corbin Carroll has an Adoles-Garcia type of game tonight, he's going to be the MVP, no doubt.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, two home runs, five RBIs. (laughs) Yeah,
1: in a game seven, yeah. Um, So that's the NLCS MVP odds. Then, so to win the World Series, obviously the Rangers are the favorites at minus 136. Then you got the Phillies at plus 215, and then the D-backs at plus 450. I think those are pretty fair odds. Yep. Now, if I had to ask you, who do you think is the favorite right now to be the World Series MVP?
0: Well, honestly, it it, it kind of hedges what I want right now, but I w- I'm sticking by my original call from the beginning of the postseason, and that's Bryce Harper.
1: Bryce Harper has the third best odds; he's at plus eight hundred. Well, there you go. But
0: obviously, I got to stick to the guns for the call I made from the
1: beginning of the season, <clears throat> actually
0: before the season, that the Y backs will actually be World Series champions. I don't even know what the odds were. It's it's gotta it had to have been like plus twenty thousand or something 100%. like that. Yeah,
1: no doubt, plus twenty thousand. Yeah, for sure. Unbelievable, unbelievable. No one. Yeah. So, so Corey Seager is the favorite right now to be, to be the World Series MVP at plus six hundred. Then you got Adolis Garcia at plus seven hundred. Then Bryce Harper at eight hundred. Marcus Simeon at plus sixteen hundred. Interestingly, Josh Young and Evan Carter at eighteen hundred, hmm. and then you only have Trey Turner. Trey Turner and Quetel Marte have the exact same odds at plus 1,900. Then you got Kyle Schwarber all the way down at plus 2,000. And, yeah, then after that, it's all, you know, huge long shots. You never know. Dude, how about this? (laughs) Dude, Max Scherzer is plus 18,000 to be the World Series MVP. Those are some insane odds. That's actually... Yeah, that's like, really like, cool. dude, if he throws a couple of crazy starts and maybe comes out of the bullpen like he's done before in the playoffs, I mean, dude, mm-hmm. plus eighteen thousand for Scherzer—that's
0: a good payout. I mean, those are—it's fair, you know. Like, they bro, got he, this has this same od-
1: he has the same odds. Like Jose Leclerc is plus eleven thousand. He's a reliever. He's plus eleven thousand. Mm-hmm. Then you have J- Johan Rojas, who has the c- exact same odds as Scherzer, and he's like a number nine hitter, utility guy. That's right, but a, I think you're talking like disrespecting I, Scherzer here, honestly. Right, but you're talking about Scherzer with like a what six ERA, seven? But dude, once again, <laughs> it, it's Scherzer. Like you, you can't ever write him off. And as I keep saying, this is only for the World Series. So if he goes like two and oh or three and oh with you know goes crazy and they win it all. Listen, he can win it all by
0: throwing in a inning, in it, you know. That's just the uh, end of all stories.
1: Yeah.
0: Um retire nice and
1: peacefully. All right, so with that, let's talk about Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker has reportedly told multiple people that he will not return as the Houston Astros manager in 2024, according to The Athletic. The 74-year-old declined to comment publicly after the Astros saw their 2023 season come to an end. Rangers. If he does leave Houston, it's currently unknown if Baker would retire. Quote, multiple sources not authorized to speak publicly told The Athletic they think Baker wants to remain in, in some capacity. After leading the Astros to the 2022 World Series title, he signed a one-year contract for this season, and he guided Houston to a pretty mid 90 and 72 record for a third straight AL West title and the team's seventh straight trip to the ALCS. But again, seven straight trips to the ALCS. Um, they've been
0: in, they've been to, in four uh, yeah, World no. Series.
1: They've been in four World Series in the last six years, and they only have one real one to show for it. They choked against the Nationals in 2019. They got humbled by the Braves in 2021, and they got spanked by the Rangers. In this year's ALCS. (laughs) So all of that supposed postseason success and I don't know, only one real world series to show for it. So poverty franchise all the way. Um, (laughs) But going back to Dusty Baker, he's a baseball lifer. He's been involved in the game for over 50 years, including 26 as a manager. He was an outfielder in the majors for 19 seasons, playing for the Atlanta Braves, Los Angeles Dodgers, San Francisco Giants, and Oakland Athletics before his retirement in 1986. The two-time All-Star and two-time Silver Slugger award winner helped lead the Dodgers, yes sir, to a World Series title in 1981. After ending his playing career, Baker quickly transitioned to coaching in 1988 as first base, first base coach with the Giants. He was promoted to hitting coach the following year before being named their manager in 1993. Since then, Baker has been manager of the Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Res, and Washington Nationals before taking over Houston in 2020. The three-time National League manager of the year has won a division title and made the playoffs with all five teams that he's managed becoming the first manager in MLB history to achieve such a feat. Uh, if this is the end of his legendary career, Baker will hang it up with a managerial, managerial record of 2,183 um, 2, 2, wins, the seventh most wins in MLB history, and the most wins ever by an African-American manager. <laughs> um, Unbelievable. The next step would clearly be the Baseball Hall of Fame if he does not return to the dugout. So what a career it's been for him. I think it's time. I mean, as I talked about, um... I mean, I I 100 agree. Yes, yeah, historic season,
0: but it it's the same thing. I'll compare it to Tom Brady. Like, I don't understand why he didn't hang up the cape, whatever. You know, we everyone knows he's the greatest of all time. Solidifying that by winning the, his seventh ring on a random team. You know, obviously it wasn't just any ordinary team, but nonetheless, just like joining some some
1: other team and then going all the way.
0: It's the same thing. Oh, yes.
1: Yo, you there, mate? my bad. Yeah. Um, so a few years ago, like in my teenage years, I would shy away from stories like this. I would say, like, I would like just report the news on them and kind of say that it's too controversial. I don't want to talk about it or, you know, it. but I'm not in my teenage years anymore. It's my fucking show. I say what I want. So let's do it. Let's get it. Um, the NHL announced today that it has rescinded the ban on symbolic stick tape that demonstrates support for special causes. Quote, (laughs) After consultation with the NHL Players Association and the NHL Players' Player Inclusion Coalition, players will now have the option to voluntarily represent social causes with their stick tape throughout the season, the league said in a statement. Earlier this month, the NHL sent two memos to teams to explain what is and is not acceptable for nights that celebrate special initiatives, including Hockey Fights Cancer Night, Pride Night, and Military Appreciation Night, according to ESPN. The league sent out a second memo after teams requested clarification on some aspects of the new rules. It explained the restrictions on, quote, on-ice activity during games, warm-ups, and official practices. One of those restrictions stated that players were not allowed to use any themed tape on sticks, according to The Athletic. In addition to tape, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, fuck him, announced in June during an interview with Sportsnet that teams would no longer wear specialty jerseys during warm-ups because it became quote a distraction uh i don't know if you saw but this made mainstream news johnny or shaggy i should say it made mainstream news that this whole pride thing with the nhl certain players russian players specifically ivan provarov of uh, course you know, didn't want to wear the whole pride thing so you know a month ago the nhl said you know no more of this no more pride they tried to like obviously they were they were only talking about pride but they tried to like jumble it with hockey fights cancer and military night to kind of you know, but obviously they were only sure. talking about this whole pride situation. Well, um, you, you can you can also say the same thing about what the Dodgers did with Pride Day uh, or Pride Night.
0: You know, with the hats and their the logo.
1: Yeah, but I, I the difference is there was no there was no player on the Dodgers that was against wearing it. So that's where all the controversy came. With the mm-hmm. NHL. there were Russian players, and then other, and then after the Russian players started, some, um, some you know some very religious Christian players were were like, you know, this is against our. Right, right, right. You know, there was nobody on the Dodgers wearing this. Um, but, yeah, going back to what Gary Bettman said, he said, quote, I've suggested that it would be appropriate for clubs not to change their jerseys in warm-ups because it's become a distraction and taking away from the fact that all of our clubs in some form or another host nights in honor of the Athletic, and we rather them continue to get the appropriate attention that they deserve and not be a distraction. A number of players had expressed disappointment in the NHL's initial ban on specialty stick tape, including Edmonton Oilers star Connor McDavid, who has emerged as the face of the NHL. And is injured. He's injured. But anyway, (laughs) he said, quote, I've enjoyed all the nights that we've celebrated here in Edmonton, whether that's Pride Night or Military Night or Indigenous Night, all the various nights that we've had and had a chance to celebrate. I've always enjoyed them. McDavid told reporters earlier this month, I can't speak for anyone else or the league. In terms of a league standpoint, is it something that I'd like to see put back into place one day? Certainly, you know, but that's not the way it is right now. Boston Bruins captain Brad Marchand, fuck that dirty rat, said, quote, it's just unfortunate when you try to stand up for what's right and you get a lot of backlash one way or another. It just seems like right now you can't win. That's actually very true. You know, either stance you take is controversial for a lot of people. Um, Arizona Coyotes defenseman Travis Dermott recently became the first player to defy the NHL's ban on tape for social causes when he used pry tape on his stick in a game against the Anaheim Ducks on Saturday to support the LGBTQIA plus da 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 community. Um, quote, none of the players really saw me put it on my stick. Dermot said of his decision to use pry tape while speaking to the Athletic. It was kind of just an, all right, I'm doing this and we're going to deal with the consequences and move forward. And hopefully I'll have a positive impact on some people that needed that positive impact. He added, quote, the war's not over, definitely not by any means. You don't want to fully back off and zip your mouth up when something like this happens, but you've got to find the right game plan to attack it with, where you're supporting your organization and not making them look bad, and you don't want to step on the league's toes and really start a fight with them, but still tell them that I think this stuff's important. The NHL did not find Dermot or hand out any sort of punishment to the defenseman for defying its initial ban on stick tape for supporting social causes. Now that the ban has been lifted, more players will likely show their support for social causes during upcoming games. So there you have it, uh, Shaggy. You asked if we're talking about NHL. This is the NHL we're going to talk about. And um, what are your thoughts? Let's let's uh, hear them. Yo.
0: Sorry, um, screen timeout. <laughs> uh, no, I was I was just saying that uh, let the players speak their, you know, their thoughts, their beliefs, their minds. I mean, they're they're the ones that are performing here, you know, you don't want to have players not really wanting to play. And, and honestly just, uh, they're like protesting against it. So the performance is going to lack, like, it's just going to hinder everything. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so what is your position? Um, are you in favor of the NHL banning the tapes and, you know, this stuff, or, or do you think that it should be allowed and, you know, players should put whatever they want on their tape? <laughs> I
0: I think that it's kind of like the NFL with cleats to, mm-hmm. to put it simply, you know? Didn't they not or unban that like or they banned I don't know. I,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they unbanned that, so. So, it's just it's unfortunate, man.
0: Like I, I I just think it's it's cool for the sport. It's fun. It, it makes it a little bit more interesting and and you get to see what the players are uh,
1: I agree. I, I agree because obviously this whole issue was started by Russian players that didn't want to wear the pride stuff. So I think it should be a middle ground. I think players should be allowed to, you know, wear, put pride stuff or whatever whatever it is. Again, the NHL jumbled like military and hockey fights, cancer and indigenous night into the, but the whole issue is with pride, obviously. Um, of course. So I think it should be up to the players. I think it should be a middle ground. I think it should be up to the players, you know, whether they want to or not, but they shouldn't be forced because the whole conflict arose because, they were it was mandatory to to have it and and then, then the NHL went all the way to the other side and banned all of it so so just get the middle ground and make it optional for everyone involved and I think that's the solution uh, all right, so with that said, let's close out this banging episode with looking at the NFL landscape shall we so starting with the AFC East, we got the aforementioned Miami Dolphins, who are currently at five and two, losing their last game. Um, then you got the Bills at four and three, who've been pretty disappointing, I should say. The Josh Allen against yeah, shit man, Josh Allen made then the Jets were at three and three. I mean, without Aaron Rodgers, they've won two in a row. They were one and three. They won two in a row. I think that they're very impressive right now to kind of stay in the fight while Rodgers is uh, obviously out. And lastly, you got the New England Patriots who won their last game, but are still two and five. So definitely mid. Uh, who do you think wins this division? I mean, I think we got to say Dolphins, right? One hundred percent.
0: There's no doubt about it. Yeah. The only way the Dolphins are going to lose if is Tua gets another concussion, and it's that's the only thing that's hindering Tyreek's performance. I and the even,
1: then, dude, even even then, they're a better team than last year. Even if Tua goes down, hope I hope he doesn't. You know, knock on wood. But even if he does go down. Um, they, do they like they got Tyreek, they got Waddle, they got. Um, it's not
0: even. It's not even the receiver end actually. And the running backs
1: too. Crazy yardage on most. Mostert the back, Mostert, like Mostert is having a career year. Aging uh, the rookie. H-ing 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 crazy out of nowhere out of out of nowhere. Um. So yeah, I think they're locked to win the division 100. Then oh we yeah. have AFC West, obviously at the top, the Kansas City Chiefs at six and one, who lost their first game of the season, but have won six straight since then. Oh, they're on a run now. Now
0: with the rookie
1: wide receiver Rasheed Rice has been really putting on a statement and
0: actually commanding targets. The Kansas City Chiefs now do pose a threat in the receiving end too, yeah. disregarding Travis of Kelsey, of course. You know the number one, you know
1: target Mahomes looks for, but yeah, the
0: Kansas City Chiefs now are looking scarier than ever with. With that uh, extra weapon they got there.
1: Most definitely. Then we got the mid Las Vegas Raiders at three and four, <laughs> who, who are somehow <laughs> above the Los Angeles Chargers, who have played one last game. They are two and four. They started off two and two, but have lost two straight. They're looking disappointing, as always. Um, worse than the last couple of years, for sure. So and then, you got Adams, man. Unfortunately, then you got the him uh, Cook Denver Broncos, who are last at two and five. Uh, let's give a like... special fuck you to Sean Payton, who called Nathaniel Hackett's job with the Denver Broncos last year the worst uh, head coaching performance or job in NFL history. And now not only is he doing just as bad, but he also lost head-to-head to Nathaniel Hackett against the Jets. So you're a clown, Sean Payton. I mean, there's no love lost between you know me and Rams fans and him because obviously, as we all know, he was the head coach of the Saints when we uh, beat him in the NFC Championship game in 2018.
0: With, well, it was with, freaking what's the, uh, how do you call it, Brees? No, not Brees. Yeah, it was breeze. Oh, yeah, it was.
1: Oh, yeah, with the with the controversial call. Yeah, yeah. man. Fuck yeah. him, dude. Fuck the controversial call. They blew the lead. They were at home. They they had the ball first in overtime. All they needed to do was score, and they threw a pick and then lost. So I agree. Them. That is on them. All right, then we got the AFC North. This is probably the tightest division. You know? Yeah, it's probably the tightest division in the NFL. You got the Ravens on top for now at 5 and 2. They've won two. Honestly,
0: I think they, they pose a serious threat regarding the, the the performance they had this week. Oh my goodness. To put up thirty, what, 38, 36
1: points yeah, on the absolutely Lions. Dis- absolutely destroyed the Lions and Lamar Jackson. I mean, what a game he had. He um, proved. Uh, Along proving he's proving me wrong so far. I mean I have to admit. Me too. Me too. Next we got the Pittsburgh Steelers at four and two who have also won two in a row. They're kind of always in the mix. Definitely a threat to win the division. But But I think they will. Then the Cleveland Browns, who are also 4-2, and two, and they've also won two in a row. Um, they're obviously in the mix, but I don't think they're going to win the division. Deshaun Watson is not even close to what he used to I
0: got a lot to today. say about this, honestly. Deshaun Watson is an L, man. Ever since he's been traded to the Browns, he's just been absolutely atrocious, battling injuries left and right, being so beyond mid, not even mid, just garbage. Like,
1: no also rushing being- upside, nothing. Also, being a rapist on the side, you know,
0: for, but, you know, yeah,
1: I mean, that definitely helps a lot for sure. Um, so this, I mean, honestly, you said it's such an L. I think the Deshaun Watson trade might be the worst trade in MLB history, it's terrible. And then what happened to Chubb with the Steelers
0: being as aggressive as they always are on defense, having no remorse, everything going all out, just destroying so, his knees, obliterating it. Jesus, so get this.
1: <laughs> The Browns traded three first round picks to the Texans, in addition to a third round pick and a fourth round pick for Deshaun Watson. And then he gets then they <laughs> paid him. Yep. A fully guaranteed two hundred thirty million dollar contract after giving up Five draft picks, three of which were first-rounders. I mean, holy shit, Cleveland.
0: Listen, at the time, it seemed like the best thing they could do. They tried to draft year after year, you know, year after year, them losing. They should have stuck with Baker
1: Mayfield, bro. If they stuck with Baker Mayfield with their defense right now, they would have been way better.
0: I mean, we're saying that now, but they've been trying this for years. They they drafted Baker Mayfield. They drafted, like, Johnny Manziel. Exactly, like.
1: But dude, they, they ran Baker. Out, so... Like, dude, people forget that Baker Mayfield led the Browns to the playoffs. I mean, he was a beast on the Browns. And yeah, he was he was horrible like the last year or whatever, but he was playing he through injury, play. and now we see um that he's good, obviously. So better than Deshaun Watson at the moment, obviously. So
0: dude, it's not even in the same conversation, man. He's been yeah. he's been great. He's been honestly great. Definitely have proven a lot of doubters, haters, uh Against the Bucks this season, like the Bucks were probably going to be ranked bottom, bottom tier, like bottom five, six teams, and they're not really in that category, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and lastly, last in the division, the Cincinnati Bengals were three and three. I mean, they're at five hundred and last place in the division. And they've also won two in a row. So all four teams in the AFC North have won two games in a row. So that division is on the way up for sure.
0: Oh yeah, it is the tightest
1: division. In my, I, I agree with you. I agree with and you. And now we got the second tightest division. I think the AFC South. Obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars are on top at five and two. They've won four in a row after starting off one and two. I think they're locked to win this division, no doubt. Uh, but there's other teams in the mix. You got the Houston Texans at three and three. The Colts at three and four. Colts at three and four. They've lost two in a row. And the Titans in last place at two and four. Who have also lost two in a row. The Titans are zero and three on the road, so they are not a playoff team, obviously. Um, and now the so who do you think wins that that division? Obviously the Jags.
0: Right? I I bet on the Jags. I thought they were going to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. You know, we, against the Jets, of course. But with the Aaron Rodgers injury, I really don't know what's going to happen on that side. But the the Jaguars, man, they are posing a threat for sure. ETN is
1: absolutely ripping. He's
0: popping off. He is tough to stop, man. That guy's insane.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. But and... Ridley,
0: Ridley is a real real letdown, honestly. He just oh, yeah. I think, honestly I think,
1: I think he's gonna bounce back. I I hope so. I really do. I mean I have him in like all my fantasy leagues, so yeah. Um we never got a, a prediction from you for the AFC North. Oh, um the Ravens, Steelers, Browns, and Bengals. Uh, oh
0: wait, no, yeah, I say I say Ravens all the way. Hundred percent. Ravens? Yeah, right oh, yeah. now it's looking looking like it for sure. No, but I, I thought that before. Obviously in the beginning, beginning I thought it was gonna be the Browns, but uh the Ravens, yeah, they're they're tough, man. They're definitely top eight for sure. In the entire NFL, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. All
1: right, now the NFC. Starting off with the NFC East, we got the Philadelphia Eagles at six and one, the Dallas Cowboys at four and two, Washington Commanders at three and four, and the New York Football Giants at two and five in last place. I don't think there's anything to talk about. It's the Eagles' division, and that's it, right?
0: I mean, unless
1: you know, I mean, there's the Cowboys, but I, I don't know. I don't see the Eagles letting up. I mean, they're six and one. I don't see. It. I think they're obviously better than the Cowboys.
0: Oh, they're outstanding. Um, and the Cowboys, you know, if they do make it all the way to the playoffs, they'll just blow blow it up in the either the wild card and traditional round. I mean, I'll always do every
1: season year after year. Yep. Yeah. All right. All now right. the NFC West, obviously the 49ers on top at five and two, but they started off five and no and have lost two in a row. So the Seahawks are creeping up on them who are at four-and-two. Then you got the Rams still definitely in the mix at three and four in third place, and then the Arizona Cardinals who have lost four straight at one and six. That's so unfortunate, man. If they could just somehow find ways to win, they can give
0: Kyler Murray a chance to really make a bounce back and uh, push it. Yeah, him. no, this season is lost for them. There's no it, there's It's no. It's unfortunate, but, yeah. I mean, everyone did know and, and predict that. But Dobbs has been playing, you know, fairly well. It's just they haven't been, haven't been getting it. Defense really hasn't
1: been there, so. Yeah. So, I'm going to go. I'm going to say the Rams are winning the division. And fuck everyone else. We're going with the Rams all day. Oh yeah, I 100% agree. We have the they're two still in the mix. I mean, they're three and four. You know, oh, right is the Niners to lose a couple more games. The Seahawks are not winning the division for sure. So, give me the Rams all day. The season is. St- I mean, we're only seven games in. We're not even halfway through. What do you mean Seahawks? I don't know what
0: the team is. It's sea chickens. What are you See talking chickens,
1: about, bro? Sea cows. <laughs> all right, we got two more. The NFC North. The Detroit Lions are on top at five and two, even though they lost their last game badly to the. Um, Ravens. Yeah, that's just a fluke game. Once they yeah, get the fluke Once I they use. get
0: Monty back, the bag. Gibbs has finally gotten finally gotten possession of the ball, finally getting targets, you know, they're finally utilizing him how he should be utilized. They are posing sure. an even bigger threat with Gibbs in the backfield.
1: Yeah. Um So, and then we got the Minnesota Vikings at three and four, who just picked up a huge win yesterday against the Niners. They started off started off one and four, but they've won two straight. So they're obviously right back in the mix and second place. Then you got the Green Bay Packers, who are on the opposite trend of the Vikings. They started off two and one, but have lost three in a row, and they're now two and four.
0: Yeah, man, like, Jordan Love, I just, I'm losing a lot of hope, man. Like, I thought he was much better than he's playing right now. And
1: I mean, dude, the team around him isn't that good, let's be honest.
0: I mean, Christian Watson hasn't really been there at all. He's 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 a fucking piece of glass, bro. That guy, anything that touches him is uh, leads to an injury. He's fucking sad, man.
1: That's facts. And in last place we got uh, the Chicago Bears at two and five who did their who did win their last game with uh, that rookie quarterback who was playing d3 d3 football last year what an impressive story and unbelievable unbelievable yeah I mean who maybe, he'll replace opinion, I, I, maybe I, maybe, maybe we got a Brock Purdy 2.0 situation here that's what I'm saying I really do not <laughs> think
0: Vince is the guy the franchise guy I really don't think so I think he see he has fantasy value of course with his rushing upside but they just haven't even been letting him
1: run. Yeah, I agree. So... so, let's get a prediction. Um do we think there's any chance the Vikings or maybe Packers can win the division over the Lions? I think it's Lions all the way.
0: I think it's Lions but Vikings do Vikings always a have threat. Threat.
1: they're they're a threat, but I just I don't know. Like they're I just don't think they're on the level of – the line. like, dude, the Lions week – like, yeah, they got raped by the Ravens just now. But week one, they pull up to Kansas City and they beat the Chiefs, who have, you know, one six in a row, and they're the fucking Chiefs in Arrowhead. That's not – you know, all due respect to the Vikings, they had a huge win yesterday against the Niners, but I don't think they could roll into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs at any point. I do not think so either. So, yeah. So, we're going with the Lions, but the Vikings are a legitimate threat. Uh, I said As Sean McVay
0: always says this is a
1: loss they
0: want to forget. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, I said a few minutes ago that the AFC North and we agreed that it's the tightest division in football. But year after year, the NFC South is tight, except the bottom. So we got the Atlanta Falcons at first place <laughs> at four and three. Um, then we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at three and three. They started off three and one, but they've lost two in a row interest very interestingly the buccaneers have reverse splits they're two and oh on the road but only one and three at home so very interesting there yep.
0: um
1: and then the new orleans saints at three and four who started off three and one but have lost uh two in a row sorry not three and one three and two and lost two in a row and then you got the worst team in the nfl the carolina panthers who are oh and six
0: Unfortunately. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think Bryce Young can figure Saints. it out. Adam Thielen is sensational, but, you know. I they... will
0: say that that Saints game was definitely literally in the hands of good old tight end, baby.
1: <laughs>
0: um, that was a so this... sad drop, man. It was wide open. No one out next to him for miles, man. It was a perfect dime past him, and he just dropped it.
1: Oh, man. Um, so, let's get a prediction. This one's tough. I mean, you got three teams that are firmly, firmly in the mix, you know, neck and neck with each other, the Falcons, Buccaneers, and Saints. Um, I would personally, if I had to make a prediction, I would go with the Buccaneers to win this division. Really? Yeah. Really? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think – man,
0: it's tough because the Bucs' defense has been there. Like, they, they, they've fact, been great.
1: Exactly. So, but uh, Sean
0: so uh, White is absolute ass, man. like that guy Listen, run.
1: My rationale is the defense is great, and then Baker Mayfield is good enough, and then you got his top guy who used to be Brady's top guy, Mike Evans, and then you still got Chris Godwin in the mix. So I just think they're the best of the bunch. I think the Saints are mid as hell. I mean, Derek Carr, Like <laughs> I, I used to defend Derek Carr all the time when he was on the Raiders, and He's not bad, but he's he's not that guy. Um, you know yeah, what? They have Camara and stuff, but I, the Saints aren't making the playoffs. They're not winning the division. Um, I I actually disagree with you. I really do think the Saints have, do
0: have a chance because of their defense mm, has been absolutely amazing.
1: That yeah. is true. Their defense has been amazing. I just don't know, man. I don't I don't like the Saints this year. I, I don't.
0: I, I hate Derek or Derek. <laughs> Derek Carr, um, but he does have a secret weapon. Or not really so secret, but Chris Olave is still there. Has been very quiet the last like what three weeks, and uh, he is two for
1: uh, an upside now. So In fact, I, he did he did make headlines though. You know, going seventy and a thirty five driving home from CVS. But there you go. I mean, like there's that problem to deal with. But the I Saints did, the need him, him to go seventy and a thirty five on the on the field and get get back. <laughs> hey get back to where he was at if there's um, the, if there's uh gotta do it it's definitely crystal ball but yeah that, that guy's on sure. but and then so i don't think the Saints got it and then the falcons they're on they're in first place right now at four and three but i i don't know man i mean Bijan, who knows what's going on with him i mean I'll, he'll probably be back but that's he will i think i think happened is weird situation with how they handled it i mean very incompetent oh yeah and then they have zero quarterback whatsoever i mean desmond ritter is Made, he's, he's, been, back.
0: He's, he's not maybe he's been decent for what they he's been decent but he, he I did have him as, of a as playoff sleepers, for sure
1: Desmond Ritter is not a quarterback of an NFL playoff team no no nah, he's not
0: not a uh, Baker Mayfield is he is but do you know who I think that they should uh, pick up uh, on the Falcons what was that guy's name that, that was in place for Deshaun Watson on the Browns last season uh, I don't remember. I don't know why I keep forgetting his name, but yeah, that guy. He's definitely better than Ritter in my opinion, but hey, we'll see. We'll see what he can do.
1: Let me see right now who you're talking about. 2022 quarterback. It's percent. Uh, Brissett. Yeah, he yeah. is good, dude. And he used to be like, dude, this is such a loaded. Uh, the Patriots used to be so loaded at quarterback. They're. When, when Tom Brady was with the Patriots still before they traded Jimmy G to the 49ers, it was Tom Brady as QB1, Jimmy G as the backup. And he used to be good. When Brady got suspended for deflating, yep. Jimmy G went 4-0. and
0: uh, yep. Jimmy
1: G as the backup. And then Jacoby Brissett as the third stringer at the time. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, I mean, that was that was crazy looking back, for sure. Yep. Um. All right. I mean, dude, we we covered a lot. This was uh, an amazing episode i think an amazing i mean it's this is my first episode in over seven months almost eight months so it's been quite a while it's a good comeback uh, sure. amazing comeback i mean this is definitely the longest uh show the longest episode in the history of showing sports Top. so that's very cool i mean the previous longest I, I did you know i've done interviews and stuff and i i've done um, a collaboration episode with the guys over at the scotch and sports podcast shout out to them i, I fuck with their show heavy they're big hockey guys they're in canadian um but yeah that episode i believe was like 60 minutes or so something like that so we're at 82 right now and still still counting so that's awesome and it's been quality i mean it's not like we're just you know filling, filling time and not talking like we're we're really we really like you know went analyzed and recorded. i you know i think it was a great episode and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more of these in the future for sure for sure all right well uh Shout out to Shaggy for uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. Yo, I appreciate you coming on for sure, and it was great. I really, you, you, you were great, and you, you honestly impressed me, and you exceeded any expectations that I had. So, so thank you for coming on
0: for sure. Thank you for having me once again.
1: All right, there you have it. This is episode number 410 of the Sean Sports Podcast. Shout out to Shaggy for coming on, and I'll see you guys in the next one. We're out. Peace.